I don't know why that was produced, nor why you're listening to it. Like, I don't know which element of that is more confounding. Cheers for your support. Yeah. Going, Dave. Very well. We're at Clever Polly's. Oh we'll yeah, talk I forgot about, about the uh, sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later on. Um, I guess we should introduce our guest now, and we'll reintroduce her. Oh yeah, sure. Segment. Lou from Clever Polly's. How's it going? I'm good, thanks, Luke. How are you? Really good, thanks. Um, we'll chat to, to you in a second, uh, all about Clever Polly's. But Did I ask you on mic in the already recorded segment how you're feeling after your half? Uh, you might have. No, I don't think so. I think we'd do it now. Right, yeah. Um, how, how did movie directors do this? This is so confusing. I don't know. I think they have like line producers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. People are paid millions. more than us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm really tired. Yeah? I went for a, up at 4.30 for the half marathon this morning. Up at 4.30? Yeah, I was running with Emma and she really wanted to get organised. It was the first one, so she was quite nervous. So Fair enough. All right. I didn't want to fight. Because you start at seven, right? Yeah. All right. That's like two and a half hours of sort of just being awake when you don't really need to be. Yeah. I was she nervous? Yeah, she was really nervous. Yeah? So she wanted to get make sure her prep was good and she had hydrated and everything. And nice. So I don't want to fight that. No, no. Roll with um, it. Yeah. Did that and then we went to Up and Smoke in Footscray for far more barbecue than I should have eaten. Which is the right amount after a half marathon. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I feel like he earned it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and two beers. And now I've had two two and a bit wines, so I'm not done. Take me through it. What did you eat and what did you drink? Get up and smoke. I had a This is post post run uh, nutrition. I want to hear all about it. I had a whole <laughs> rack of ribs. Okay. Um, half a serve of their mac and cheese. Nice. Half a serve of coleslaw, some chips, and a banana cream pie. Ooh. Yeah. You definitely did well. Yeah. yeah. When the ribs came out I I thought Man, there's no way I'm going to get through all these ribs. Yeah. <laughs> I finished the ribs and thought, man, I could get some more ribs yeah. right now. Half serve, please. That yeah. were really good. And what did you drink? After 21Ks, you'd be hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Also had... What did you drink with it? Fixation oh, IPA. Nice. And the Quiet Deeds Vanilla Porter. Yeah. Uh, with the, the banana cream pie. A lot of fun. You know what's annoying? I was there on Friday night as well. And I all I wanted to do was eat barbecue and have fixation. It wasn't on. Was oh, really? Healthy. Yeah. This what means you, you have to go back. Sometimes we get to do the these things. Barbecue's really good as well. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. Have you been? No, I haven't. Check so it out. Yeah, I, w- I will have to. But nice. yeah, right now, if there was a bed in the corner, I would probably just go and curl up. And, and that's where you like you think Emma's <laughs> tapped out. She's yeah, done. she's yeah. definitely yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, annoyingly, we got a new couch recently. Right. It's being made. I don't know how this works. They had it on the shop floor when we bought it, but they have to make one and send it to us. That sounds like lies. They didn't have it in stock when they told you it had to yeah. be made. Yeah. I know, right? Um, but it's got like a, a shea part, like a lying oh down right. part and everything. So you'll find her there when you get home? We haven't got it yet. Oh, you still and haven't got it's it, right. like, man, if we had that new couch, You'd man, be all over solid that. afternoon napping would be going down today. 
But imagine how like disappointed you'd be if that was your whole plan for the evening and you got home and Emma was already occupying that territory. <laughs> <laughs> you have to work out how to lure her elsewhere. <laughs> um, so you were there on Friday night, Dave. Yeah, why, I was, why were you in Footscray? I was over that way um, for the um, family and friends <laughs> launch of uh, Hop Nation's new production facility slash tap room, mm-hmm. which is um, super fun. Mm. It's... Um, it's an odd spot in the sense it's um, it's in a six-site industrial park and they're the sixth site. So you have to like walk up this like quite long um, industrial driveway and you can see like the Hop Nation um, lit sign from the distance. But unless you know what you're looking for, maybe you won't find it. They do have other signage they're putting out on the road, which will make it a lot easier, but because it was like an in, sort of an invite only thing, they didn't want to bust it out there. But um, hey man, it's awesome. It's a really, uh, really high space. They've got these awesome um, uh, boarded up windows where someone's, they've got an artist to go in there. I think it was there for 14 hours and he did these beautiful like uh, stained glass window murals. So uh, anyone who follows me on Instagram would have seen a bunch of those. Uh, but it's a really cool space. Beers are tasting fresh. They, I mean, they're fresh beers, but they weren't brewed. Um, they've just installed tanks the other day, right? Yeah, so they've. Uh, I hope no one from any official bodies are listening, but they had a, they had a, a brew. They had a brew fermenting, and they had just gotten the sign off that day so they probably okay. shouldn't have but, tax um, man might be a little bit unhappy it's just a formality I don't um, think anyone involved in the tax yeah so their beers are business. fermenting currently um, but everything their beers are tasting so good uh, you might hear a recommendation later in the show <laughs> stay um, tuned but everything else as well uh, the Pilsner especially on point oh the Sturm Pilsner no 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 that's the Harvest Beer which is the ah. uh, wine beer hybrid that was not on t- yeah, it was on tap actually. I didn't have that one. But oh, it's um, really good. It's delicious, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it was heaps of fun. And I also made my way across to Up in Smoke because it's just down the road essentially mm. um, for a couple of quiet deeds and some. Um, I had a burnt end bun, which is just delicious. And I had some brisket beans and some potato salad thing. That was too much food, but again, <laughs> we've already agreed that that's the right amount of barbecue. I feel like barbecue is the kind of thing where you, you're always going to overcommit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, and you have to. You don't want to not it. have had enough barbecue. No, yeah. and you don't want to leave any waste either. Definitely you know, not. Out of the, <laughs> no, out of the question. Yeah. It's taken them that long to get it to you, mm. like slow and slow. Exactly. You you can't you know not give it its full appreciation. Absolutely not. And it's such good food that why wouldn't you? Why would you stop? Yeah. Wise words. Um, you can listen to our show at Up and Smoke. I don't know. I'll put a link to it. I can't remember how many shows ago that was. No, but and uh, also with Hop Nation briefly on the, at the yeah Gab one of the show. Gab shows was with Duncan, which was good. Yeah, they're good, good folks. So they're going to be doing some fun stuff because with their wine backgrounds, um, they have got access to a lot of barrels that not many people do. Um, they've got some big plans to do some sour sort of stuff there as well. So it's going to be. Heaps of fun. They're going to do good things. I think they're going to outgrow that facility pretty quickly. So um, cool. it's going to be a good place to go and drink though, yeah. And do they have food there as well? They have a food truck that they're going to have there uh, all the time. They had, a, again, it was a barbecue truck. Uh-huh. They're doing ribs at the time. So they don't produce food there, but they always have a food truck. Um, in the perfectly, uh, It's perfectly catered for food trucks because it's this big, wide industrial driveway that goes up and the trucks can just roll up and 
park whichever way they want and mm. serve anyone that was there. So, um, Also, there's a lot of good stuff in Footscray. Yeah, it's becoming um, a real sort of little hotbed of beer-related activity. So Go to Donkey for some rare beef salad. It's the best in the, in the city. Best in the city. Is that going to be a recommendation later on? No. I already know it's not. So <laughs> It's already kind of been recommended yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be a spoiler otherwise. Good point. Um, speaking of Pilsners, as you did briefly. I did. Smooth uh, what segue was it, there. You know what it's called? The Top Nation one? Can't remember. The Damned? Yeah, that sounds right. All right. Um, the champion beer at the Craft Beer Industry Awards. Yep. Uh, Craft Beer Industry Association Awards uh, was the Little Creatures Pilsner. You know what? I haven't had that in about three to four years, I reckon. It's been redone. New um, recipe? Yeah, or yeah. Just new like push. about a year ago, I think it was a new recipe. Uh, I haven't tried it. Okay. Have you had what's different about it or? I think, no, I don't know actually. Maybe the hops, but. Okay. A few other award winners, Pirate Life. Pirate Life. Picked up more As awards. As per usual. Cleaned um, up, yep. But yeah, all the. I had Pirate Life beers this weekend. Gee, they're good. <laughs> Um, all the trophies are up on the website as well, so I'll put a link to that. Nice. Um, if you want to see who is winning what awards was up there, oh, that, that was so that Pilsner was the champion beer. Yeah. Right. Also, I heard really good things about the the kind of lead up um, in Brisbane and the conference and everything. Uh, everyone that went up said it was a good time, and nice. next year it's going to be in Adelaide. So yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, I wonder how Pirate Life will go. Yeah. <laughs> the Pacific Ale Court Case. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, for people that don't know, Thunder Road and Stoner would have been in court disputing the term Pacific Ale. Um, Thunder Road use it. Uh, Stoner would coined it. Uh, it's been decided that the Thunder Road are allowed to use it. It's fine by a judge. And Stoner would have also got to pay uh, damages to yeah. I, um, Thunder Road. Yeah. I've, well, what I wonder is if you were uh, Thunder Road, I mean, the Stonewood Pacific Ale is pretty well known. Why would you actually want to use the same name? I think they're trying to get in under the um, uh, under the confusion of the whole thing because it's called Pacific Ale. Its label is quite similar to Stone and Woods. So it kind of looks just like it, essentially. So essentially they're trying to, pardon my pun, Thunder. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, this is the, these are the people who their previous um, court battles were to pry the historic brands away from CUB as well. So this is the first time they're trying to. Uh, oh, I guess it's slightly different, but I mean, it's not beyond their realms to try and latch onto something else and make it their own. So Well, yeah. I think that's just strange. What happened to good old fashioned originality? Don't they isn't the one that they also brew that in Belgium if that's packaged? Is that Yeah. Did we uh, work it out? Yeah. So it's not even We had that email discussion with Phil. Yeah. And it just did not So they yeah, they brew a lot of their pa- all their package stuff in Belgium. And I think some in Vietnam. Really? Is Vietnam even on the Pacific? Yeah, it's uh, Is it just? I'm not sure. So yeah, confusing. Okay. Either way, I don't know. Whatever, law is law. Judges make the final decision. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. So that sort of particular chapter's over. I really thought that Stone would be going to get that one done. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of other beers beer, uh, carry the name Pacific Ale and small, small type. Um, but no one is sort of obvious or. or yeah, I guess on the road is quite well known. So. Hmm. Got a lot of. Um, money behind him as well so yeah um speaking of beers that are copies uh, i went to aldi this week 
for research purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, How was it? Uh, it's weird. You can read all about it in today's Herald Sun. Yeah, yeah. if you've got a Herald Sun lying around, um, I'll put a link to the online thing. I might do a paywall. But I think if you Google the headline, you yeah, can click straight through. Yeah, that's a very, very easy way around it. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, they asked me to taste some Audi beers and um, Interesting. give my thoughts. Yeah. Um, one of them was really good. One of them I would legitimately be happy to have in my fridge. Um, the Fraser Biggs uh, Lager. That's the takeoff of James Bogues. Okay. It looks exactly like James Bogues. It could not look more like What's James the name Bogues. of it? Fraser Biggs. Biggs. Yeah. Fraser Biggs. The Bogues. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I'll bring up a photo uh, while I, I tell you about the others. Um, one was allegedly supposed to look like Cooper's, another one Asahi, and the other one Stella Artois. The Stella Artois one is very similar as well. Um, they were garbage. One of them, I had two sips and was gagging and tipped it out. Um, right. The other two were... Storm Pale's fine. Yeah, but as we sort of discussed, like, we don't know how they've managed to oh, yeah. store them or keep them. <laughs> I'll put a photo on the website that I'm just showing. <laughs> That's the Fraser good, Biggs yeah. and James Bogues. Yeah, they it's not even like, you know, they haven't even pretend not to be ripping it off. No, they're, they're obviously, a, this is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very, very clear report. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you went out and bought a six-pack of Fraser Biggs on the back of this rating then. I wouldn't be surprised if you were disappointed because it's inconsistent. So I, I did have some quotes that didn't make it that were basically, if you're paying $9 for a beer, the corners are going to be cut somewhere, even if it leaves the, yep. the brewery as a good beer. It might not make it into your hands as a good beer because it's not refrigerated. So you mean it was $9 for a six-pack? Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's the St. Etienne. <laughs> And the Stella Artois that it's uh-huh. taken on, so very similar. Yeah. Um, Check out the pictures on the show notes because it's hilarious, the similarities. The, um, the Saint Etienne is brewed in France and it tasted like it had spent a long time on a, a hot shipping crate, um, maybe in a warehouse for a long time. It was had that really skunky flavour that you get from a, a Stella Artois, but it also had just garbage. Is that the one that I saw in the snapshot that was 1 out of 10 from one? No, that Robertson? was the other. Oh, the other was it? Okay. Yeah. This was maybe so you described a skunky garbage and there's one that was worse than that? 3 out of 10. Wow. I managed to like get 3 sips. Okay. The Fraser Biggs I finished and then I had the rest of the six pack with fish and chips. Fair enough. Really good. So, yeah, anyway, my photos in the Herald Sun, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hi mum. Uh, it is a great pose too. It's like I, I'm I looking at the camera look, and I'm still pouring. I wanted yeah. to, to. I was hoping my photo would go online so I get all the comments of like, "What a beer hipster!" Ah, oh, right. The photo didn't make it to the online part, so no one's commenting on how much of a beer hipster I am. Can't believe it. You're just gonna have to live in hope that it will happen sometime in the future. Yeah, right. Next one. Um, other thing I've got. Uh, we talked about Hop Nation. Um, Dainton Brewery opened up here in Melbourne as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, That's sort of down my way, so I really yeah. feel like I should go down and check it out. But yeah, we it's, talked still, about it's still kind of far away, though. Yeah. We've talked about doing a show there, so maybe we'll get out there. He's been on the show in the past. so Yeah, that'd be great. Um, where, where are they? Carom Downs. Okay. I'm ter- so I'm not from Melbourne, so my. So that's Melbourne real f- far southeast. Okay, yeah. right. I'm not from Melbourne either, so. And I've lived. Mostly in similar suburbs. So I'm so from southeast of Melbourne, and it's still kind of far from me. So um, it's down the ways, but I'm so confident they're going to establish a really um, loyal local customer base. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sort of thing is kind of good um, in outer suburbs. It brings the community together, and even before the big um, the big surge of craft beer, True South 
that were in Black Rock down yeah, my way were really, really sure. strong um, yep. locally there. So um, yeah, people love a brewery. Yeah, I think so. Mount- Mountain yeah. Goat as well, yep. such a great example. Well, that's what kind of drove them as being a brand was people coming in and not liking the beer, but they had a community around it. So. I think it's also exactly. important that you have like strong food behind that sort of stuff because like yeah. the Mountain Goat pizzas are some of the best like bar pizzas you'll get. True South had this Argentinian chef that made just delicious meat. Um, base menu so and great spaces to go mm-hmm. and spend time. Oh, what a in spot! Well. True South was. So they're still operating, just not brewing. No, yeah, they're not brewing, but still but they're still operating. Yeah, as a, yeah right. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, heaps of breweries opening up. So if you have a brewery opening up in your neighbourhood that we might not know about, tell us because mm. things are going under our radar these days. It's so hard to keep track of, isn't it? Um, so yeah, interstate. Please tell us what's happening because we don't know about it. Yeah, if we can't keep track of the Melbourne ones, how are we supposed to know what's going on? Have you guys heard of um, Killer Sprocket? Yes. Yeah, we yeah. love Sean. Yeah. Ah, cool. So, um, have you tried the shiny coffee beer that they did? No, I, I have not It's the Gabs beer? Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. I might have yeah. tried it then. Yeah. It's delicious. Anyway, we we had some, but I think we've just sold the what last What style bottle. is it? Co- so, it was a coffee beer. Uh, I don't know. I think it was a coffee IPA. Yeah, it's coffee yeah. IPA, oh, cool. but it was um, it wasn't super hoppy, and I think they did a really great job of balancing that coffee flavour. Um, coffee was roasted by Tin Man Coffee Roasters, um, who are my favourite roastery, and they have a cafe called Queensbury Poorhouse. Um, and whereabouts yeah, is that? In Carlton, yeah. I think it's hard to get good coffee beer. A lot of the time, the coffee ends up tasting very roasty and yep, kind of definitely. overdone. This had really nice flavour and really nice balance. I love the idea of having it used with IPAs. I think it creates a different um, character altogether. Yeah. That's good fun. Coffee IPA is... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Mountain Goat did that one. Yeah, and then the last ago. one, they just abandoned it, didn't they? Yeah. For uh, some sort of porter. Hmm. So with Seven Seeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they still they still collaborate with them, but rather than doing a coffee IPA, they do a was it like a uh, does it change every year maybe? Like? So this year yeah, was a porter. A couple of years it might have been the yeah. IPA. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, I feel like we've run out of steam. Are we? Uh, yeah, I've got no more news. Yeah, perfect timing right. there. Yeah, well, let's come back and we'll uh, chat to Lou all about Clever Polly's and excellent other stuff. Learn about that soon. Mm-hmm. We're at Clever Polly's. How are you going, Dave? Very well. well I assume I'm doing better than you are. I didn't yes. do a half marathon this morning. Yes. We'll yeah. cover this in the intro probably. Oh, okay. When we we'll do this uh, backwards, like movies are made. Yeah, yeah. They don't um, just shoot them like, sequentially, did they? No. I feel like we've made this joke wow. before. Um, we're here at Clever Polly's in North Melbourne with Lou Charmer. How's it going? I'm um, good, thanks. How are you, Lou? Good, good. Uh, welcome to, to our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, now, I ate here couple of weeks ago yep. and I've actually been a fan of this place for, for a while um, I think it might have been a, re- a recommendation oh really the episode's gone by well, there yes. you go I've recommended it to Alison's before um, good to hear yeah <laughs> and I guess we wanted to come along and, and sort of learn a bit about what you guys are doing because while it's not all beer you guys have some really good beers um, but you also sort of specialise in esoteric booze and wine yeah, I guess so. Um, I think certainly a lot of the things that we have here are, are quite different to what you'd find elsewhere. Um, 
And yeah, that's definitely across the board. There's, it's not just all about wine or just all about beer. I think the focus is definitely on wine, but we have some incredible uh, mai sake as well. Um, all the spirits we um, very carefully curate also. So yeah, we like to get a nice spread of interesting things. Um, when I was here the other day, we did sort of pairings with the food. And I think I got one wine out of the whole the yeah. whole thing, um, and that was a Georgian amphora wine. Yeah, yeah. But the first dish came out with a sherry, um, and then it was a sake and another sherry. And is that kind of a conscious approach to do something outside of just doing wine? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, when we first opened, um, I had a lot of fun with a few dinners and events that we did where I matched um, things other than wine to food and looked at some very non-traditional pairings. Um, I think when you were here the other night, I think Jasmine took care of your pairing, so um, it's definitely something that she loves to, to so work on as she's well. She's sommelier here? Um, she's a sommelier, but she's also the manager. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but she's really excited by all of these different things as well, and I guess, like me, her interests sort of lie outside the straight and narrow. Um, yeah, definitely love the We had an Italian rum was, I think, the last course. I didn't even know the Italians made rum. I yeah. Yeah. So um, this is made by, it's a rum that's made by a woman. It's very special, um, made in very small quantities and um, I just think incredibly, incredibly pure. How do you get hold of that, something like that? Or how um, do you even find out about something like that? Yeah, it's a very question. Well, it's a funny thing. I seem to have a bit of a knack for sort of sniffing out interesting things. Um, and I guess that a lot of the uh, producers and wholesalers that I work with know that and... They generally uh, won't come to me unless they think they've got something interesting. Um, so I'm pretty lucky. Um, at the start, I had to do a lot of the groundwork finding these kinds of things. And now that we've been established for a couple of years, um, people do literally just come sort of, you know, seeking an audience for these incredibly interesting things that they've got. How long has you been training at Club Police? Just over two years. Just over two years. Great. What yeah. were you doing before that? Uh, before that, I was uh, working in the wine industry for a short time and before that uh, I was working in the coffee industry um, and also uh, doing my degree. Is your degree food and wine related? Kind of. Um, it's, it's a little different though. So um, I have a bachelor in environmental science and for my honours I specialised in agricultural sustainability. So in a roundabout way it's, it's linked to food and wine. Um, how did you end up doing coffee and wine then as a result of that? So coffee was something that came about um, about 13 years ago when I first started in hospitality um, and I just found it really interesting because uh, the more I got into it, the more that I realised that there was all these different interesting channels that you can take with coffee. Um, obviously uh, Melbourne is very well known for its specialty coffee um, and that's where I found myself when I moved here um, nine years ago um, and I thought it was really interesting that you could get coffees that came from a place and from a producer not just something that was quite generic and each of those different coffees have their own their own flavor their own personality and their own story to tell um, and I guess that's the same thing that really intrigues me with wine um, you know you can really tell that story and that's that link with agriculture for me um, and then into wine, obviously, was just kind of a natural extension of, of that, was it? It is. So what did, what did you do in the wine industry? 
Um, so I was working at uh, Gertrude Street in the Checker for about six months. Um, and before that, I was managing a cafe and I had put together a wine list there. And I'd sort of dabbled in wine a little bit. Um, I did some, uh, some Wisset education um, and sort of came to the conclusion that wine is the, the industry that I would like to end up working in. When I think I last spoke to you, it was at Nora Small Dinner Club, which is a, a very um, strange restaurant here. Uh, do you know much about Nora? No. Started as a cafe with a... He's not a trained chef, is he? No, Tong is a, He's actually a brilliant award-winning photographer um, who he decided that he wanted to cook and... Uh, when Tong puts his mind to something, he generally makes sure that it happens. Then they, the food there is um, strange and weird and wonderful. And um, I think we had like a chicken heart oyster and all sorts of things like that. Sure. But, um, they don't tell you what it is until at the end of your, your meal. So we didn't realise we were eating chicken hearts. We just thought we were eating all about Something. the element of surprise. Yeah, yeah. And you, you were pairing the wines there. I think it was almost a natural fit, right? For it was such a great fit, but um, it came about very organically. Um, I had been into Nora, loved what they were doing, um, and, you know, would become friends, but not that close. And anyway, one night, um, about a year and a half ago, Tong turned up here at Clever Polly's and said to me, Lou, I need your help with something. We have a dinner and um, it's for a birthday. It's really special and they want wine and we know nothing about wine. Can you help us? Um, and I said, yeah, of course, let's do it. And from there, we've just um, had the most incredible um, friendship and relationship, which um, resulted in me um, doing their wine list for about... Uh, six or seven months um, when they started doing small dinner club on a permanent basis on the Friday nights Um, and now that they're a full-time restaurant um, they have a sommelier there who um, I sort of helped with the writing of that initial list and now their sommelier has taken over and he's doing a brilliant job. It's a really good place I can highly recommend it. It sounds fine yeah Um, I like that idea. Just unexpected in every way it's probably more like present in your experience of it if you don't know what's being presented to you because yeah. you're more uh, involved with tasting everything and thinking about it and mm. I think you can um, approach things with a really open mind as well when you don't know what to expect and uh, it is different so I think that's important and is that kind of I guess the approach to Clever Polly's um, where everything's a little bit left of centre yeah I guess so I guess Um, what I really wanted to do in opening this place was to um, get people engaged with food, wine, spirits, beer everything that we offer um, and where it comes from and what that story is that's behind it and I think you can really do that if you have things left of centre but I guess the other thing is that maybe it's a little insight into how my mind works I guess I, I think I'm a very curious person I'll rarely um, drink the same thing twice um, and I'm always looking for new and interesting things to learn about so yeah I guess that's So in your own words how would you describe Clever Polly's? Oh it's <laughs> a hard one um, I guess it's a place for me where you can come and you can learn something and have a totally new experience um, but it's also a place where you should be able to come and feel 
welcome and nourished and have really good wine, really good beer, really good sake, really good food um, and know that each and everything that that is on offer here has been carefully curated and selected for a reason. Everything has its place. Beer we got um, when we were here was the Watermelon Goza from Anderson Valley. Um, and it was interesting because we, we go to a lot of beer and food dinners and it's rare to find something like that paired with a main or paired with sort of in the central the central dish. I can't remember what the dish was. It was a blackened something. It was, um, so it was blackened endive with laver, which is a seaweed, um, and black garlic. And I, yeah, I can't imagine, it's interesting, not many beer places would, would put a goza with that or even sort of approach it that way. So, um, you know, coming to, I guess, a wine bar and finding a beer match that you wouldn't get at a beer place, I think mm-hmm. that was, yeah, it was exciting. Um, yeah. And it kind of, oh yeah, reflected sort of pushing things forward. For sure. We almost know the matching without even seeing a menu, yeah. don't we? So yeah. You're yeah. going to get pork belly right. and yeah. a, a IPA in there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's it. We're kind of, you know, it's not even, in that instance, it's not really about pushing boundaries. It's just quite simply looking for the very best thing that we can find to make that match and that will fit. Um, and we don't mind going from a red back to a white or you know, putting a sparkling into the middle of a meal, if it means that it will be the best match for the dish, that's just part of the journey. Are you finding um, customers are coming back and, I guess, growing with into, into different wines? Or Absolutely. Um, we've got some really amazing and interesting customers who maybe are people who I wouldn't have expected to jump on board with what we do and be so interested in some of the wines. Um, you know, a lot of them are, are older, um, they're professionals, they're kind of the sort of people that you think just wouldn't be so open-minded, but they love it because we tell them the story and, and it, then it makes sense to them. Do you think having a story is almost part of the battle for a lot of producers? I definitely think it is. Um, and there's actually a lot of um, scientific research um, and uh, sort of... Uh, and social research that suggests that people will be more inclined to um, support a product that has a good story behind it when they've been educated about that when or when they're given um, information um, and you know I think you can see that people consumers are now becoming more and more aware about where things come from and I think they're starting to ask more questions and become more conscious consumers as a result it's almost something I think a lot of, in the beer world at least, a lot of breweries don't realise that or don't even think about how they're going to tell a story. They'll, you know, pay a graphic designer to design their labels and they'll come up with a catchy name or a catchy style and then that's it. And, you know, you're looking at a bottle or you're, you're looking at their website and you don't really know who they are. Um, and that's kind of annoying to me. Like, I want to know who these people are and why they're making beer, right? Absolutely. Um, and... So I think that's really important. Um, I think that their story should be told, as it should be with wine and, and it, you know, food. But the other part of it, I think, which I feel maybe gets missed a little bit in the beer industry, is telling the story of time and place as well. And we know with wine that people always talk about the vintage and the terroir. But what's to say that you can't have a beer that is terroir-driven as well? And I think that Ashley Huntington from Two Metre Tall... Um, has really hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, he does have a winemaking background, so I guess that is what gives him that perspective. Um, 
but you know his beers are really original and really inspired by what's around him and he's started to gain a really massive following as a result and I think that's important because um, where he is and, and what he's doing is really interesting He's an interesting guy um, For sure Have you met him before? I have um, I know Ashley very well um, I've been to his to his farm and um, tried through all his beers in barrel um, and he's come in here and when he comes in here he kind of fills the whole space because he is quite literally two metres tall and this isn't a big place. <laughs> and I guess in the wine world, what stories are you enjoying being able to share with your customers? Are there any, any that stand out right now that uh, listeners should be looking out for? Yeah, I guess. Um, so I was just recently in Europe um, and I spent about five weeks travelling around to different places and meeting different producers. So my first week um, there, I was in Georgia with a friend of mine, John Werderman. Um, and I think that what's happening in Georgia at the moment is really, really interesting. They have a very old wine culture um, and the southern part of Georgia is thought to be the birthplace of wine. Um, but I guess that industrialization of agriculture has sort of started to have its impact. Um, and John and a lot of his friends are working really hard to sort of counteract that in the wine industry. And in a way, it's, it's an old industry that is kind of being given new life and being reborn. So I think uh, in the next five or ten years, what happens there will um, become increasingly more interesting. Um, and then uh, I think also... Um, you know, travelling around France and going to see different producers who have been working their vineyards in biodynamics for a long time, um, or in certain ways. I, I think there's a very different attitude to, to the vineyard management um, and where grapes come from there. I think there's a much stronger connection to the land than what, what we would see typically in Australia. I have no idea what biodynamic means. Dave, do you know what that means? No, I was okay. hoping to hear it okay. unfold, so I wouldn't have to ask the question and feel silly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, so there was a, I don't know, I guess you'd call him a philosopher, um, Steiner, who I think it was in the 50s, he came up with, um, I guess, uh, the idea that if you farm in a certain way, um, sort of in rhythm or in tandem with um, the Earth's, the earths and the moon cycles and um, you know pay attention to sort of microbial activity and sort of things like that that you can achieve a much better result as far as what you produce goes but also you take much better care of the land so in a way it's it's like organics but taking it one step further um, and say and uh, when you look at it um, biodynamic so you can be biodynamically certified and that goes through right into winemaking. Um, and what's really interesting is that with organic certification, there are um, hundreds of um, permissible additives still in wine, um, I believe. Um, with biodynamics, there's really only um, one thing that you can add other than sulfur. So that really is taking it that next level up. Um, so I guess... With biodynamics, it is really about sort of nurturing and caring for 
the land um, and having a, a more pure sense of expression, I guess, in, in the wine or whatever it is that you're producing. Um, so it was really interesting visiting one producer in particular who's been using biodynamic practices for about 30 years um, and comparing his biodynamic wines or his wines that have been managed uh, biodynamically for 30 years compared to some that have been managed biodynamically for four years. Um, and the flavour intensity and the clarity and purity is just absolutely incredible. Um, certainly life-changing. And why is that? Um, well, I believe that it's because the farming is so good. So, I mean, if you think of a grape or any fruit or vegetable product or anything at all um, that we eat, it's an expression literally of what goes into it um, and I think that you can't have good grapes if you don't have good farming um, in the same way that you know someone can't be strong and healthy enough to run a half marathon if they don't take good care of themselves beforehand. You didn't see my diet in the lead up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah so it just it makes a huge difference to the grapes and at the end of the day that's that's what they're expressing because they're not doing anything to the wines. So. What was the winery? Did you say what it was? Uh, so it's uh, Dominic Terrain um, in Burgundy. All so right, I'll note that down. We yeah. want to go back to Europe next year, so that's... Uh, okay, well, when you go, let me know. I'll give you a few names of places awesome. to go. Um, and the Georgian one, uh, I found that really interesting because it was kind of an amphora situation, but not quite an amphora. Is that... Yeah, so um, what they've done with that wine it is an amphora it was made in um amphora or quevery is what they call it um amphora is the name that i guess we use that's been used by um the italians and the french and a lot of people in australia but um quevery is the original fermentation vessel for wine and that's what the georgians call it um and that wine that you had was a blend of three different grape varietals they're all native to georgia um and it was fermented and aged in, in Quivery. What was the name of the wine? I can't remember what it was. Uh, it's Goji's wine. It was really good. Yeah. Really nice. good. What do you think of that one? Do you? Uh, I love it. It's delicious. Um, it's, it's interesting. The wines look a little different here to what they do in Georgia. Why is that? Um, I think travel changes them a little. Not, in a, not necessarily in a bad way. But the other thing is context. You know, in Georgia, you would sit down... Um, and this is quite literally what happened every day is we would sit down to a table um, and there's just a feast that is laid out before you. So many different things. I'm sure your glass of water tasted better in that context <laughs> than it does here. For sure, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but then, you know, it's always, wine is always drunk with food. Although there are a few producers making um, uh, Petiot Natural, which is a sparkling wine that finishes its fermentation in bottle. Um, that's kind of a fresh, young, easy drinking wine, like what you might have just as an aperitif or in a picnic or at a party. Um, and so I think they're starting to maybe drink... Um, or, or change their drinking habits ever so slightly. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you sit down and there's food everywhere. And the one that you had, um, because of the skin contact, it's got a lot of tannin, even though um, it's made from white grapes. Um, so it, it lends itself really well to food. Um, what did you guys pair it with for that dinner? Do you remember? I can't remember. Do you remember what it was? I can't off the top of my head because I think the menu might have yeah. changed. Yeah. Um, um, 
Oh, it was um sea bream. Yeah, with, sea bream with uh, with carrot, arame, and burnt butter, burnt miso butter. Mm. So, and that that was kind of a reflection of the whole menu in terms of Japanese influence. It's an omakase menu, is that right? Omakase, yeah. Omakase, sorry. Um, and what does that mean? So omakase um, in Japanese translate to "I'll leave it up to you." So um, there are lots of um, Japanese restaurants um, in Japan that are called omakase restaurants and you know that when you go there it's just a chef's selection um so for us that's that's kind of you know i guess it's a we've sort of taken that idea and and run with it um but for me um it's all about kind of going somewhere and letting the person who knows the menu best or the produce best choose for you and make sure that you have the best experience that they can possibly offer you. Um, so that was the reason why we made that change. That's how I like to eat. Um, when I go out, if I go to a restaurant that I know, or if I've got friends working there, I'll just say whatever you recommend. Now the buzzwords in the, in the sort of wine world. like so love many buzzwords. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to hear about <laughs> I've been using the word buzzword a lot lately. Have you? Yeah, it's my buzzword. What a <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. It's sort of natural wine and orange wine. Um, and you guys were kind of one of the first bars to sort of come out and say that's what you were doing or do it that I know of. Yeah. Now I can think of half a dozen that have yeah, opened up boring. since then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does that relate to biodynamic? Like, so I feel like those words get thrown around a lot, but I don't have much of an understanding of them, even though I say that I like those styles or that, that approach. So I think that natural wine at the moment is a little bit like the term sustainability. Uh, it gets thrown around a lot. Um, and no one really knows what it means. Um, I think that in Australia a lot of people think of natural wine as a stylistic thing, whereas to me natural wine is first and foremost about farming um, and, you know, the winemaking comes after that um, and that's certainly how it's seen in Europe. Um, so I guess it's about sort of farming the land to the best of your ability um, trying to avoid the use of, of chemicals um, and enhancing what you've got, whether you're using um, biodynamics or, or some other sort of um, farming principles to do that. And then in winemaking, um, not really adding anything, not taking anything away. So the only thing that any of our producers that we work with add is sulphur. Um, we have a preference for it at bottling. Um, if any of our producers use systemics in the vineyard, then we ask questions to ensure that they're moving away from that and that any systemics are very much kept to a minimum. What does that mean? Systemic sprays. So basically things like Roundup, um, chemicals that you just don't really want to be eating or drinking. So we've actually got a wine buying framework to make sure that we... Um, adhere to our principles when we're buying wine and it's also something that we can use as a guideline to kind of inform our customers um, and also the producer producers that we work with about what we're doing and what we're looking for. How many people have that kind of demands for producers? Do they are they happy to comply if you're asking them to move away from that? We're not really asking them to do anything. We're just sort of saying this is what we're looking for. Um, and, you know, if you have something that fits with that, if you have the same philosophy or if you're interested in going down that track, then we'd look forward to 
working together. I guess um, that filters out a lot of people that you don't need to be doing business with. It does. Well. It does. And it's funny. A lot of people um, will still call up to try and show us wine, not really having any idea of what we do. And it also allows us to kind of filter them out and say, thank you for the interest. Because it's really nice that people are interested and they want to come and show you wines. But if it doesn't fit with our philosophy, then we just, you know, we can't work with them doesn't mean that what they're doing is wrong or that what we're doing is right it's just this is what we've chosen hopefully we didn't lose anything I'm going to take them off because it annoys me um, we made a slight error we didn't have a card yeah. full error I have not been maintaining our um, memory card at all since I started Doing this po- since we started doing the podcast, mm-hmm. so. so that's a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lesson there for everyone. Maintain your memory cards. Whoa, 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 whoa! We should be charging for this sort of insight okay. and experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need consultancy on podcasting, yeah. you know where to find us. Now we took the opportunity to, when we rectified that, to get some wine. Um, tell us what wine we're drinking. So um, the red that you've got in your glass is um, Marazza Champagnero. Um, it's a red wine from Rioja Alta in Spain. Um, and really interesting winery. They've actually um, built their winery on a side of the side of a hill, so that um, everything's gravity fed. So obviously that uses um, less energy, but it means that it's very gentle on the wine as well. Um, and then the and does, that, does that I guess help with oxygen getting in there, or what does that stop? It just no, it's more just that. So when you when you move wine around normally, so if you're transferring it um, from a tank into a barrel after it's fermented or something, you would rack it. Um, and normally when you rack it, you use a pump, um, which obviously is, um, you know, kind of sucking the wine up, I guess. And it's just a little, it's just not as gentle as having it just kind of flow naturally. Um, like an aqueduct. Yeah, like, so in... Do many wineries do that? There are quite a few, but, um, I mean, it, it takes a lot of planning um, and you have to have the, um, you know, you have to be able to afford to build everything exactly the way that you want it to be able to do it. And you have to have the environment to support it. So that can't be, you can't come around that often, I guess. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um but, you know, I guess that's one of the challenges with working with wine is finding the right site um, and the right place to build the winery. Um, that's, that's it with farming as well. You know, the, the farm that I grew up on, my parents use a pump to pump water from, um, from a water reserve up into a big hill and from there it's all gravity fed to the rest of the farm. So they still have to use a pump, but it's certainly a much more efficient way of transporting water around... So, uh, the, the wine that you've got in your glass there, Dave, is, um, this is an, a musket and um, semillon um, from the Barossa. Um, I really love this wine. I came across this producer, it's Milledout Vineyard. Um, I come, came across these guys about a year and a half ago. Um, and. What's really interesting about them is, um, so they are um, Bulgarian and they moved to Australia um, some time ago and have been making wine very much in the way that they would have made it were they still in Bulgaria. 
Um, and it just so happens that that is that tradition that they have is very much in alignment with with um, the way that we define natural wine. So they farm all the grapes themselves. Um, no irrigation, no systemic sprays or anything in the vineyard. And then in winemaking, it's all about um, they use amphora and older French oak, and um, yeah, nothing added, nothing taken away. Um, and yeah, I think that's a very delicious expression of, of something quite unusual from the Barossa. Did they produce it back in Bulgaria before they moved across? I'm not sure. I'm not too sure. I would say that they probably did. I think what I would suspect, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but perhaps it's a little bit like Georgia where everyone kind of makes some wine in their backyard for their um, household consumption, but not so much on a commercial scale. But at least then they, they know the principles of it. That's kind of um, a lot of people are going through Lithuanian and, and Norwegian farmhouse breweries at the moment and finding that, yeah, everyone's doing it similar ways but with really crazy steps like, um, you know, no boil or, or mashing in for a day or, you know, using different um, like juniper twigs and berries to filter through. I guess it's the same in, in wine in those countries. People are doing it for themselves and not realising that what they're doing is actually pretty special. Exactly. and But that that is the thing that makes it special because they're not doing it to sell to a market or to fit in with someone's idea of what wine or beer should be. They're just creating something from what's around them. Um, and that's, that's really special because that really tells that story so well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I really love wines and beers like that. Um, some of the Norwegian beers that... Um, so I think it's called... Uh, Roik Uten Uld. I think it's the Han Bregeriet uh, one yeah. that's with uh, Juniper. Yeah. Yeah, love that I've beer. never attempted to pronounce uh, Han Bregeriet. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know that, that that's right. <laughs> <but> <laughs> we don't see much of their beers anymore. I feel like... Mm. Are they still on shelves? You know what? I only would ever see them in Slow Beer or some of the Black Hearts chains. I don't really go to those places that much anymore. So, um, kind of Because they were, my... I guess, pre-everything taking off, they were one of the ones that you could always get and know you are going to get something really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and even if you didn't know what it was based on the label, um, you knew it was going to be fun. Mm. That's something a little bit... Oh, totally different to what you've had before, yeah. The Courthouse Hotel... Uh, here in North Melbourne, um, before it changed hands, used to always have a lot of Hanbrug gear. Yeah, I think they even had like a tap takeover one time, and it was it was amazing. I went That's down after work, yeah. and yeah, it was great. It's a shame. What's orange wine? What does uh, that mean? Orange wine. So um, I'm going to call it amber wine instead of orange wine. Um, Why? Because that's what um, the Georgians call it, um, and. It's certainly a wine style that um, we've become increasingly familiar with in Australia and elsewhere in Europe, but it, it certainly it stems from there. Um, so I think amber wine is an appropriate term. Plus, um, people do actually um, get a little confused when they hear the term orange wine because um, there is a, an assumption that it's made from oranges. Which, which is, is a thing as well, right? It exists as a... I've never never tried any. Um, let me know if you find some. There's a guy at the Queen Vic Market. I'm sure he has all sorts of weird wines. I'm sure he has orange in there somewhere. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'll go down there and they try it They don't look sometime. great. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stay clear then. 
Um, but orange wine essentially is wine that's made in the same way as red wine. So if you think about a grape, um, if you've got an ordinary um, table grape, say a, um, a globe grape, and you cut it in half, what you'll notice is that the flesh is um, clear or translucent, um, and it's actually it's only the skin that has colour. So when you make red wine, for the most part... Um, the colour in red wine comes from extended maceration on the skins um, and that maceration allows um, the wine or the grape juice to draw out um, tannins and other flavour compounds that you wouldn't otherwise see in the grape juice. So white wine is made in the same way. So it's, it's um, wine made from white grapes that have seen extended um, maceration times or skin contact and that's, that's where that colour comes from. Um, there are some red grapes um, that have um, colour in their flesh as well. Um, so what's really interesting with them is that you get quite a different flavour profile, quite a different tannin structure. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, that's, that's what orange or amber wine is. One question about the one that Dave's drinking. Um, you mentioned add musket grapes in there typically is that fortified normally so um in australia we certainly have a lot of um, fortified musket wines um so muskets are one of these grapes that's it's quite interesting it's you can find it in lots of different places all over the world um different variants of it um and yeah often it would be used to make sweet wines um but there's plenty of dry examples of it as well um, so this one certainly isn't fortified. The, the musket grapes in that wine see about a month of skin contact uh, and the Semillon is made in a more traditional white wine style in that it doesn't have the skin contact and then they're blended together. So does skin contact, I guess, automatically make it an amber wine or it just depends on...? I guess when, when we talk about amber wine we are talking about skin contact but um, you can actually give white wines a little bit of skin contact um, just to give them some sort of savoury structure um, and get some of those flavours out, out of the skins. Um, I guess it's the amount of time that they're on skins really determines whether or not you would call it an amber wine and it's quite ambiguous, you know, it, it's up to whoever's calling it whatever to, to decide that. How is it, Dave? It's tasty. It's really good. It's really dry. Yeah, you'll yeah. notice it's got a lot more tannin than mm -hmm. an ordinary white wine. Um, really savoury and um, I think this wine is um, really nice on its own, but certainly it would be lovely with some food. What should we have with it? What so would you serve with it? Well, we are actually um, pairing that uh, with the uh, sea bream dish that we talked about before with carrot, um, arame and um, burnt miso butter. Um, but... I would put it with maybe a um, maybe some pork or um, seafood would be lovely because it's got quite a lot of acidity. Um, or you could also put it with um, roast chicken. It's got a nice kind of sweet savoury thing going on as well. So you could, you know, I think apricot chicken would be really nice with it. Um, something like that, a dish like that that does have a, a sweet savoury kind of edge. Do you have any more questions, Dave? Uh, I don't know. Well, should we take a pause there yep. and uh, come back and wrap up? A voluntary pause this time. Yes, a voluntary Fantastic. pause. <laughs>
Dave. Are we actually running this time? We are back, time? yeah. Okay, officially? Yeah. Can you uh, right. make that recommendation pop for us again? Okay. Hey, Luke, what do you want to hear? A beer or a non-beer recommendation? Let's go for a beer recommendation. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, aforementioned Hop Nation, uh, the Kalash Imperial Stout. Did you almost forget what that was after... No, I forgot what I said, and I didn't want to say the exact same thing because I would have got bored myself. So um, I had to sort of <laughs> reshuffle a few things in my own mind. Now, that was their Gab's beer? It was their Gab's beer, 10.2% Russian Imperial Stout. Um, I was scared to buy a bottle of it because it's a lot of, in 500ml bottles, it's a lot of 10.2% Imperial Stout to have. But yep. it's so delicious. It's uh, doesn't. It drinks way under 10%. It's really complex. Um, Are there... Adjuncts in it or it's just barrel aged? No, just barrel aged. Okay. Um, but it's super delicious. This was brewed at um, uh, Kaiju. Mm-hmm. But, um, Do you know if they're going to make it again? or? It's, so, it's been so popular. I'm sure they will. They've got a bunch of really fun barrels there because they've got the wine making history. Mm. So um, they've got a bunch of like port and sherry barrels and stuff that I don't think there's many Australian producers that are aging stuff in those sort of barrels. Mm. So. They're going to be fun ones to watch out for. Excellent. But Good if you see it on the shelf, grab it. It's delicious. Good recommendation. Yeah, it's kind of... I like reckon, li- compared li- to my first go, I would give it a B plus. I don't think it was that good. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's something I'd probably look over on the shelf just for that 500ml yeah, 2.2. Yeah. I'm not really... But no, I would definitely pick it up. Excellent. Mm. Lou, you haven't got a beer. You've got a sake. Um, yeah, so I'm going to recommend... Um, this is actually... Is that your favourite sake? Yeah, it is okay. my favourite sake. Um, so it's Mariki Shuzo Sapin Rumiko no, sa- no Sake. Um, it's I'll take a photo of that and put it on the website. For yeah. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Please do. That's the it's one that everyone recommends. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's from me in Japan. Um, I was lucky enough to go to the brewery uh, last year, sort of see what they do and meet the brewer. Um the brewer's name is Rumiko and uh, the name of the sake means Rumiko without makeup. So all of the sake that we uh, use at Clever Polys are um, Junmai sake, so they're not fortified with rice spirit. Um, and this one isn't fortified with rice spirit and it's got very little else done to it. So um, it's not filtered, it's not pasteurised, it's not um, diluted and it's free run. Um, and... It's an amazing story as well. Um, the woman who, who makes it was the second female toji in Japan. So um, only the second female head brewer um, in Japan when she started a long time ago. Um, and the picture on the label, which you'll see on the website, um, is actually a drawing that was done of her when she was young. She's now in her 60s. Um, and it was done by a very famous... Um, uh, artist um, who was very admiring of Rumiko so um, yeah that's that's my my favorite sake and um, it's great sake it's really versatile with food it's got a really nice kind of earthiness to it but it's kind of fine and bright at the same time so yeah come what's your favorite um, favorite food to eat when you have it with this um, I would probably say um, sort of fish, something um, that's a little bit more robust. Um, otherwise, it works really well with um, melon um, and seaweed. Um, so, yeah, it would. it's the kind of thing that maybe 
needs a bit of a, an interesting dish to go with it. Or you could have um, some washed rind cheese, might be nice with it as well. Recommend. I got a Cinder Care package from Stockade Brewery. Ooh. Um, hashtag freebie. Um, they are brew pack. I didn't actually know this until I looked it up the other day. So brew packs a big contract brewery up oh, in New really? South Wales. So Stockade's their, um, their kind of, I guess, commercial arm of that. And everything I've had of theirs, is, we've mentioned it on, on shows previously. Yeah, yeah, really good. I, um, I, I got that beer as well last weekend. The 8-Bit? Really liked yeah. it. Yeah, 8-Bit IPA is... Um, one of the best IPAs in Australia, I think. It's so clean, really nice and bitter, really fragrant. Um, fun label art. It's hard to go past. If, if I had a place down the road that to me that's sold in six packs, so probably be my regular fridge beer nice. at the moment. It's really, really delicious. So. Good endorsement for yeah. Stockade's 8-Bit. Yeah. Yep. Dave, non-beer, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go with Pick's Natural Peanut Butter. Right. Have you had it before? No, I have no Seems idea. It's like a really is. weirdly... like constructed business model but apparently they have uh, peanuts grown I think in Queensland it gets sent over to New Zealand and it's a New Zealand brand and then now that they've sent them the finished product back to Australia it seems like a lot of overhead for my peanut butter but it's (laughs) delicious how the beer industry works exactly Um, but I could not recommend it enough I'm pretty precious about my peanut butter what what do you like about it uh, I don't like peanut butter, so fair enough. Um, there's something lacking in regular, just natural peanut butter, and I don't know what it is. But there's something. Maybe it's magic. But something in picks is delicious. I thought you might have known about it, given that you're one of them, uh, a kiwi. Because yep. it seems like when it came out here, all the kiwi people here lost their minds about it. Uh. Um, love it, love it. If you love peanut butter, keep your eye out for picks. Excellent. Picks. P-I-C apostrophe S. All right. I do, I do remember that from when I lived in New Zealand. Yeah? And it's it's good peanut butter. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, it really is good. It's a good recommendation. I, As I said, I don't love peanut butter, but now you've verified that, I'll yeah, trust you. Fair, enough. Ju- fair, enough, fair enough. Hey, second party. Double yeah. ver- verification. Yeah. I'll check it out. Lou, what do you got? Well, this is completely random, but... Um, I just recommended peanut butter, so I think you're all right. <laughs> Uh, a year ago, I um, almost a year ago, I broke the screen on my phone, and it took me until last month to get it fixed, and it's made my life so much easier. So I would recommend fixing the screen on your phone sooner rather than later. Yeah. It makes me furious <laughs> when I see someone with a cracked phone. Someone was telling me about their wedding dress. They wanted to uh, get some thoughts on ideas about wedding dress. And they said, tell me what you think. And they showed me their phone. And I was like, I couldn't even see the dress. I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Fix your phone. That's that's what my phone was like. To the point where it didn't actually have um, a home button anymore. I just, I had to have it, like, a, you can put it on the screen. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty painful for I've for like I've there. smashed my screen twice. And it's lasted, like, 12 hours before I've fixed it. I just can't tolerate it. How do you get, can you take it in and get it repaired? Is yeah, you to take it to a screen repair place yeah well, I ended up just trading in for a new phone oh nice okay. yeah, yeah no um, 59 bucks I went to this guy and he just switched it out no worries hey if I do break my screen again then I'm gonna have to hit you up for the contact details yeah definitely guy, yeah 59 bucks is pretty cheap yeah um, that is a random recommendation but it was a good one it's I a like great it. one yeah <laughs> oh, I can get behind that so easily yeah uh, I'm gonna recommend an album 
I can't remember if I recommended an album last week. I hope it's not the same one. Mm, I think you took a break from recommending an album because you did the previous. All right, week, good. Yeah. We're back doing albums again. Yeah, okay. um, no, I, this is exactly what I recommended last week. I just remembered. Were you about to double up two weeks in a row? Yeah. Hilarious. Jeez. What about right. you recommend Hightail? <laughs> um, Bojack Horseman. <laughs> Let's recommend that. Uh, the Netflix show, which I said I wouldn't recommend because everyone's talking about it. And we've recommended so many Look, Netflix the, documentaries. The third season just right. came out. Recommendations to recommendations. Yeah. The third season just came out and I've been starting to watch it and they did an underwater episode. Uh, genius. One of the most genius series of comedic jokes I don't know Good a, sentence, a, a very yeah. very clever show um, insanely clever you can watch it a number of times and what looks like a simple show at first actually has a lot of a lot of complexity to it so yeah check out Bojack Horseman is there a, um, an app for Netflix uh, on like a phone yeah not sure not sure because I would recommend that you put some toast in there get some pics peanut butter look through your pristine phone screen at yeah. Bojack Horseman <laughs> I like how you just tied everything in together. Yep. Brilliant. That would never work with any other week's recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lou, where can we find you guys on the internet? Um, so we are online at www.cleverpollies.com.au. Um, we're also on Facebook um, and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and What are the handles on t- those? Oh. Is that what you were going to ask? No, no. I was oh, was it? You go. Yeah, so on Twitter and Instagram, what's the handle? At, at Clever Polly's. Clever Polly's, great. Yeah. Um, and you have reg- regular satellite tastings and workshops, yeah. is that accurate? So every second week we host a workshop. Um, so in a couple of weeks we've got um, a, a sake styles workshop coming up. Um, and every single week we have um, a free tasting from two to five. So um, it's a beer, spirit wine, sake, whatever, um, we always try and we get someone in um, and um, anyone is free to come along and taste and learn and have a chat to the producer. We came along to one um, and bought wine. I imagine a lot of people just end up buying wine as a result because it was delicious. Yeah, I guess so. But I think um, the reason... Oh, did you buy one of the ones that you tasted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, Amato, I think. Amato Vino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely wines. Yeah. Brad is really really lovely guy who, who makes it and that was the reason more so than anything why I wanted to be doing these tastings because it gives those winemakers or um, brewers or whoever it is it gives them a voice and opportunity to connect with the people who are buying their products which I think is nice and Definitely. important um, and I, I, yeah I enjoyed it because it's sort of low key you come in and just chat to the winemaker and around the sort of communal table and taste a couple of wines for free it's a good way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think so. Um, Dave, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, at Melb Dave on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I might do a Periscope for the intro as well. Oh, yeah, cool. So, same name on Periscope. And then you can send us an email. If you've got any uh, non-Melbourne news at Dave at AleOfTime.com. Um, and you can find me, Luke, at AleOfTime.com and at AleOfTime on all social media, including Snapchat. How are your Snapchat, Snapchat stories going? Pretty good, actually. Yeah? I was going to say bad, but I realised I did some good ones. Sure. Had a cocktail recipe up there the other day. Oh, yeah? Um, cool. Uh, or do I have to subscribe to find out? No, it's already gone. It's Snapchat. Oh, okay. doesn't last that long. Um, Just tell me what the cocktail was. A blood orange um, <laughs> hot toddy. Oh, I had okay. a cold and I had a blood oh, orange. So I'm like, let's just combine those two things. Excellent. Um, yeah, this is the kind of stuff you're missing out on if you're not on Snapchat. Get on board. Clearly, yeah. Um, I would if that 
squad have vacated my name. I'm not taking some other name. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Benny CP, by the way. He gave us a second rating on iTunes. Judy. Yeah. There's so many listeners out there that haven't given us any ratings. And he's, Benny CP's given us two. Double down. So he's made up for one other person. That is slack if you haven't done and it. And it could be you. So get your keyboard out. I don't know where it would be, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tap anyway, away. Thanks, Lou, for joining us on the, the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been a really good one. Yeah. No worries. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Mm. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, mate. See you later.